0: Welcome to The Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Air Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next fifteen to 20 minutes all right well let's get into today's show Hey, hey! Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Advisors podcast. I am your host, Ike Ikoku. I am fortunate to have Alex Oliveira. He is the founder of Predict. Alex, welcome to the show today, man.
1: Ike, thanks for having me here on the Thriving Advisors podcast. I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to finally hit the record button, man. We're having so much fun in the green room. I'm like, time out. We need to have this recorded.
1: Uh, I guess I was overexcited on a Thursday, right? <laughs> Knowing that t- tomorrow is going to be more of an off day. But yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely good to have you here. So predict, uh, a play on words a little bit. So I'm going to have you share a little bit about one, the genesis, the thought behind the name selection, and then two, tell us uh, you know, uh, what your company does at a high level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In 2011, I had just come come off of two years working for two companies, one Home Depot, another private company. Those were the only two years I've worked for companies in my life, really. Before that, I ran businesses, crashed and burned in 2009 in such a beautiful way. And then went back uh, two years, worked for companies, got back on the horse, right? Get, get my finances in order
0: yeah.
1: and, and saved up a little money and said, you know, when I've got about five grand is, which is what I needed to build the system. Very, very simple CRM system to do lead gen, which is what I knew.
0: Only five um, grand? Really?
1: Yeah, only five grand. Well, in the Philippines, believe it or not, okay. you could build a, a lead management system in the Philippines in 2011 mm-hmm. for five grand. Here, a lot more for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we built that system and went out there and started to market it and try to get new customers. And predict really was data was the big buzzword. 2011 still is today, but 2011, yeah. everything is driven by data. So we're thinking like predictive analytics, predictive media, because we're going to do advertising as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Intelligence, IQ. All right. Predict media. Predict. That's kind of where the name was born. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. The world of marketing is filled with so many theories as to what works, so many standards as to what people should be doing. Uh, let's start with the what I would call the, the core problem. What is the biggest problem that you find that you're solving for your clients?
1: Yes, the biggest problem I'm solving is how to convert leads into sales. Mm. So however that lead comes in, whether it's a phone call via social, a message or email, how to bring the customer down that funnel and mm-hmm. convert them into a sale. Most businesses, no no secret to your audience here, you know, they get a hundred leads, maybe they close five, yeah. if that. And they're thinking like, but what happened to the other 95? What did I do wrong? Because obviously they wanted, they were interested. Yeah. Was it I didn't have the right price? I didn't have the right customer service, the right offering. I mean, there's a million reasons why, but you gotta find out why. And that's not marketing at that point yet. We're just trying to optimize so that when I get ready to do the marketing, then I know your engines are working, right? It will be like, imagine a, a race car, not checking its tires or motor and then sending them out in the track. And that's why some customers and companies come to me, Ike, and they, they're excited. I've got a budget, right? I, I, I raised some money. Let's do a big campaign. It's like, whoa, hold up. I need to understand your customer. I need to understand what makes them tick, how to... How do, do, do they come back their lifetime value? That's all research before we do the marketing. Cause if I go right into the marketing it, it's disastrous. And that's why, unfortunately, so many people in our industry get a bad name, a bad rap mm-hmm. because they don't, they don't try to convince that customer, that business that you shouldn't spend the money yet. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's really understand what's working, which typically isn't a lot. Yeah. Right.
0: A lot of what you're speaking to is, you know, two really critical components of any successful business, which is one, know thyself, um, speak volumes about that, but more importantly, know thy customer. And part of knowing thy customer is knowing thy customer journey, the buyer's journey, which oh. people just completely negate in terms of what's happening in the mind of that prospective client. Before you even get in their stratosphere, one can you even get in their stratosphere of the ten thousand plus messages that they may be getting from a bunch of other sources—radio, TV, social media—and you know. So, how do you break through the noise? Um, so, what have you found to be some um, key best practices in helping clients understand the importance of doing that that kind of work before launching a marketing campaign?
1: Sure. So we do what I shared with you in the green room, the, the secret shopping that we let customers know that we do. So it's not simply doing an evaluation or analysis of their current state of marketing. It's really understanding that journey. And along that journey, it's doing some one-to-one survey with customers to understand what are their communication preferences Wow. Lo and behold, you find out that some of your customers want to communicate, buy, pay, do the whole transaction via SMS. Mm. And here you are telling me that you have no SMS uh, uh, solution for your, for your customer yeah. because you said that they don't want that. But I just spoke to them and a, a handful told me they want it. Yeah. And then when you present to another handful, they say, actually, if you have that, I, I would prefer that over logging into your website and going through the whole system. So it's really doing that research and talking to the customer and then going back to the team and aligning marketing, sales and customer service, those three departments, aligning them and saying, like, I know you guys thought you knew this, but here's what the customers, the data on the website is saying. Now let's build a framework, a strategy that can move in the right direction. And of course, along the way, as I shared with you, we'll get some of it wrong yep. and then we'll get some of it right. You
0: no, know, it's uh, it's uh, so much about life. It's not so much about the end goal. I think you'll you know, attest to this. Customers come to you and all they're focused on is the end goal. You know, how are you going to help them 2x, 3x, 4x, whatever their minds are saying <laughs> and far often people don't respect and value the process because the Mm -hmm. process is where it's at it's it's about the journey to get there and what it takes and and the learnings along the way right Um, so there's probably an element of coaching that you got to do in your business and just Mm -hmm. kind of preparing you know that prospective client for what the real um the real journey in working with you is going to look like right
1: Absolutely. And, and uh, we all struggle with with HR and teams and attracting good people, training them and whatnot. So that that's every company, even when you have the best culture. So but the people that are the front face, front front communicating with the customers, man, they really have to know what that culture is like. And how often do you do you experience this? Like, I know I do on a daily basis. You a, a, a very a very small example I'll give you. I was at Walgreens in Orlando and I needed some jumper cables and I bought the jumper cables, but I didn't use them because it just worked out. So I get back home which is about 30 minutes from Orlando. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, since I don't need jumper cables and I have three in my garage, too bad they weren't in my trunk when I needed them, right? (laughs) Always the case, right?
0: Always the case,
1: right? Which, by the way, this makes it an interesting story because I was coming back from Brazil and this is 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. And this was my wife with four kids picking me up at the airport. And I come out of the plane and she texts me and said, hey, uh, I'm at Chick-fil-A and the car won't start. Oh, nice. And so thankfully her brother, my brother-in-law went and saved the day when okay. he got there. We got the jumper cables, didn't need it. Long story short, I this is Walgreens, big company, smart people there, right? I go return the product at another Walgreens. They said, we don't take that one here because we don't have that particular brand. This is like a $45 set of cables. I don't need it, right? So I'm going to just return it. So I said, which store has that? They said, oh, it's this other one over here in Melbourne. I said, fine. I'll go to Melbourne. Right? I get there. They say, well, actually, we do carry that one, but because we haven't sold it in 30 days, okay, mm-hmm. it in. wow. <laughs> I mean, c- 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 come on, man. I mean, this you is a big company. Like your
0: mom, pop shop. This is like Walgreens. Yeah. You know. Yes. Thing, right.
1: Yes, and and so look, we get burned all the time. All of us can think of examples. So it's not that hard to go. Just don't do those things with your clients. Go take the great examples and do that. So you don't even need me or Ike or any other sales training program. You could just go out and buy stuff on a daily basis and go, what's working? What's not? It's common sense, right?
0: No doubt. Speaking about what's working and what's not, um, this is like your second or third stint in the entrepreneurial space, right? Kind of share that in the background. Third, yeah, yeah, I love life lessons and and you know uh, how that helps shape our view of what the what the journey of being an entrepreneur looks like. I'd love for you to share a little bit about that in terms of what worked, what didn't work the first time, what worked, what didn't work the second time, and why you feel like this third time is doing so much better than the other two.
1: Oh, yeah, wow, we <laughs> we could be here all day, but I'm gonna go just to like two two major points that is. Sure. Honestly, I always hear at the front of my mind when I say that, I really mean it. It's always here. The reminder of what I did that was so wrong that got me, you know, almost eight figures in in debt debt. from the business that at that time and I got out of it, but it was painful and it's always sitting here and probably the biggest thing was focus Hmm. or lack thereof. I had lack of focus because this construction company I had here was just growing millions. And I'm like, wow. So let me go invest in this other company here and this other company and that company and get in real estate. And before you know it, I'm holding all this debt. Uh, and then the economy crashes and I, I can't blame the economy. Mm-hmm. What I can blame was my, the how irresponsible I was with what I had built and the money, no respect for the money. And by the way, I definitely was not living lavishly. So, so unfortunately I didn't even get to do that. It wasn't even like, you know what I mean? Like some people, at least you see, they're like living like the life. Man. That's not what I was doing, man. Um, but I just kept getting deeper, deeper into it because I had a lack of understanding for the books mm. and I can't blame the accountant or, or the bookkeeper or my attorney or my team. And um, it just was my decisions. And I was a big risk taker. And on top of that, I just couldn't focus. Man, this thing is going right here. No problem. Let me go do this other thing. You're all over the place, man. So when I kind of spent those two years, 2009 to 2011, working for other companies and doing it their way, it really helped me um, understand the sort of the principles of what what business is like. Listen, I dropped out of college. So, I, I mean with the big crash that I had in 2009, that was like my, my MBA. And it was very costly. And so for me, Ike, it was like, man, and as you know, you're a father too, with kids at that time, we started having little ones. I'm like, I cannot get our family in this mess. I mean, because the time we didn't have kids, it was easier, but I said, I can never let this happen again. So I always keep it like right here in front of me Mm -hmm. to go, man, when, when, when we're doing something, you got to focus and you got to have your, your 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 numbers right in front of you and have a good team and then everything else falls into place but but for me those were the things that you know caused the house to come crashing down i can't blame anyone but myself you know
0: Awesome. Love, love the self-responsibility there with just, you know, the past. We talked about being a dad uh, and, you know, you kind of embed the the whole dad printer tag as part of your marketing and branding. Tell us a little bit about why that's near and dear to you and and maybe what led to that.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, for me, as I said to you earlier in my career, I always kind of compartmentalized both, you know, business and, and, and uh, family and was a little guarded try to be more private and stuff like that. Uh, even with employees, like my mom, I I led her company in early 2000s. She had a, a textile manufacturing um, business down in South Florida. And it's funny because at that time, like she would have employees come over the house and, and I never, I just never felt that way. I was like, there's a separation, you know? And um it, it wasn't until later that I learned that like these are just human to human relationships. Just can't look at them as employees or them as customers. You have to sort of find a way to intertwine the two. So I didn't learn that until later, but um, yeah, around 2016 is where I kind of looked at it. We had three kids at that, at that point, And I said, look, I want to spend more time with the kids. The business is growing. I need to create a team that can that i can delegate really and manage it so that i can do the dad stuff first and the entrepreneurial stuff second and and i'm not going to do it if i was doing it that way and that's sort of where i started with the 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 wordplay and the branding and always sort of telling people up front like my family comes first man
0: yeah
1: and, and and if you want that for yourself like as far as like employees then you should do that too i'm never going to impose that on people but that option is there sure. so that if you want to put family first, man, I'm I'm behind you on that. But for me, it it took a while to do that. I always, oh man, I'm gonna work hundred hour work weeks. And right around 2016, it, it, you know, I had a couple of things that happened in my life that was like a wake up call. And I'm like, you know, I need to do that first because if that ain't right, yeah. it doesn't matter how much money or success I have. And it's paid off because I've been the happiest over those last six years, um, without a doubt. So.
0: So I tell people it's about having your priorities right. And for me, it usually starts out with faith, the the connection with the the maker of the universe and just, you know, my relationship with God is is paramount, nexus, family, Mm -hmm. Um, just, you know, being true to to making sure that that's always getting the preferential and the priority that it it needs. And there's finances, you know, both the business side, but also (laughs) the personal side as well. Uh, and then there's friends and uh, you know fellowship. So just you know key five things. I think most people figure out how that is supposed to fit and show up in their world. Then uh, that whole sense of fulfillment will just naturally come because you're doing doing things in the natural order that they're supposed to be. Right?
1: Yeah, you get that fulfillment.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your space, because uh, the the marketing lead gen space is is huge. There's so many people out there that are claiming to be authorities in that space and telling you that their way is the preferred way, and you know that where the highway type of thing. So let's start out with what you see a lot of your clients doing in the name of helping increase lead gen and and flow of prospects, et cetera, that ends up being really a waste of time and money on their part.
1: And yeah, the biggest one is obvious social media. <laughs> Boom. Sorry to my social media peers. I have a lot of friends who make all their money, all their revenue from social media. I have a great friend. She's a huge influencer. She's got companies like Disney and all these other companies that she works with. Fantastic. That's wonderful. There's a place for that. But let's be honest, Ike. I mean, on any given day, any Fortune 500 um, uh, or, or the largest private companies in any state, we've looked at the studies. It's usually in the single digits. The amount of revenue that come via social media just is now. If we're talking about lifestyle brands, I get it, right? If you're set, if you're uh, 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 the Kardashians selling cosmetics, yeah, I get it. It's like the influencer stuff has to be there so that she can sell you a boatload of you know makeup, sure. no problem. But for nine out of ten products and services that we all consume every day, man, it, it does not justify you spending. 10 20 percent of your budget or time on social media you could have a content strategy that works without putting so much effort into that and you and i were talking about um uh, this before the podcast that facebook this year they reported they're going to lose 10 billion dollars from ad spend and they are so because of the ios update last year apple you know basically gave our data for 10 years and made billions and then decided, Hey Congress, I want to get out of your way. So then they said, Facebook, we're not going to give you that uh, data anymore. And then Facebook went, Oh wow. Without that data, we can't, you know, twist people's arms into buying stuff. And so listen, those days, 2006 to 2020, that's like 14 years that most businesses enjoyed, Mm -hmm. you know, that ride. And now as, as we started, start to go into this like web three metaverse that no one really knows if it's truly going to work because it's early days. I'm, I'm more of a a, um, a spectator. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go down that road, but I think it's a little bit too early. early. Um, I go with what works and truly what works has always worked even before social media which is connecting with your customers and the tools are here. Email is here. Your website's your website. It's There's nobody between you and your website if we take out SEO. Yeah. But if you spend all your time on social media, back to your point, Ike, it, it's the biggest for most businesses. It's the thing that is, it gives them the, the feeling, especially like for business services. Mm. They spend a bunch of time on LinkedIn and they're told that man, if you spend all your time on LinkedIn, you take this course, you do that, you're just going to blow up. Look, even even myself, I'm not huge on LinkedIn. I have about 20,000 followers. And I would say like nine out of 10 messages that I get is solicitation. And I've tried different strategies to generate leads and sales from there. I just have to be there, but I don't have to spend a lot of time and money to make it work. I, I, that's just, that's how I feel. If anybody can prove any different that like, Hey, I spent this much and I got that much, you, you got to spread it around and you know, social media, it, it can be a time sucker for sure.
0: Yeah. That being said um, you talk about connecting with people, which is so true. I tell people all the time that business doesn't have to be that difficult. There's three key things that you have to understand that you're in that you're doing in business and one that you are in the belief changing business. Okay. Because whatever product or service or solution you offer, your prospective client has some uh inbred beliefs around what they think is possible and whether or not your brand, your product, your solution can fit within that limited view of what they think is possible. So you gotta shift and change that. Mm-hmm. The other part is, which speaks to a lot of what you do, is you are first and foremost, a marketer of said widget or product that you produce. You're not the widget manufacturer. You are a marketer of said widget that you're producing, right? And a lot of people miss that boat when they transition into doing something entrepreneurial. And then the third piece is, uh, is about, really speaks to the heart of connecting, which is relationship management. To the extent you manage the relationships you have with suspects, prospects, leads, now customers, clients, etc., cetera, uh, will determine how successful you are. So let's talk a little bit about what magic you guys are doing with email marketing, because there's a contingent of people who will tell you that email marketing is dead. Nobody's opening their emails. You need to be doing SMS and, you know, getting yeah. ads in front of people and all that other stuff. So let's let's spend some time talking a little bit about what you guys are doing different and unique with uh, with your email marketing.
1: Sure. Absolutely. I mean, the First and foremost, the the way you have to view email is as a um, relationship nurturing tool Mm. first. So it's a communication relationship nurturing, like a phone, like SMS, like anything else. That's like number one. Then once you've mastered that, kind of like having a chat on your, fo- on your website and all the other tools that exist. Then you could start to think, now I'm ready to do an email marketing campaign where I'm going to have offers mm. and I'm going to get out there and hire a company like 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 Predict to go out and set up an affiliate program where there's publishers who drive traffic to my site, mm. everything via email. Great, but that takes time. And if you don't have, like you and I talked about, if you don't have a subscriber list, it's going to take a while, but if you're sitting on 10, 50, hundred thousand subscribers, because your business has been around for 10, 20 years and you haven't used it correctly, I would say the first thing is to use it to nurture and get customer service going. That's number 1. And then you could start to think, well now how can I upsell cross sell different products with these offers via email. What you'll realize very quickly is that the cost of doing an email marketing campaign is the lowest across all the channels digitally. No marketer will argue that point, I'll tell you. At which at which case you'll say, well, at what like how much effort and money do I have to spend before I start to see results? Man. Yeah, it takes time to get that open rate to go 20, 30, 40%, the click-through rate to go 0.0001% to 1% to 2 and yeah. then to track it back into, okay, listen, every time I do an email blast, we sell 10 grand. Yeah, yeah it can get there. And every major company you know, trust, and love, online on fortune 500s i all of them have people doing email marketing i have a great friend that that works in the marketing uh department at autozone i have a friend that works at walmart i have i mean friends that work all these places they do email and it's effective and they sell stuff and they nurture relationships. So for small businesses, I get it. It takes a little more work because there's segmentation. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that go in there, but it can absolutely work. It's For some businesses, it is an untapped channel to generate leads and and, and, and revenue.
0: No doubt. A dormant asset sitting in the books oftentimes a lot of people aren't aware of.
1: Right. Right
0: what portion of I'm sure you're familiar with Ryan Levesque and the ask Method? what portion mm-hmm. is methodology. Do you guys incorporate in some of that?
1: Um, well, I mean, we, we incorporate a lot of methodologies. I mean, all the gurus, all the greats that, you know, uh, yeah. we've, we probably have all everyone's books here. We go to all the <laughs> conferences. We, yeah, because the truth is all of us create a strategy that, that, um, um, doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. So you have to borrow from other guys, right? And we look at competitive uh, research all the time for clients and say like, look, you have a client that is working with one of my competitors and that is working for them. Would you like to try that? Mm -hmm. I, it's not a methodology that I use. Oftentimes to use a different methodology too, you have to be willing to, and when I say you, it's me, the agency, the marketer, you have to be willing to create a a system or a software or an app to do that same thing. Yeah. So sometimes you have to build it on Salesforce, sometimes yeah. you have to build it. So you can't always duplicate it, but when these guys are talking about look, content and they're talking about, you know, paying close attention to data and conversion rates, mm-hmm. optimizing your website, these are all things that absolutely work across the board. Um, and I get it. No one has the budget to do all those things. So I, I love to present this to all clients and say, here's what your competitors are doing. That is clearly working because there are tools out there that all those guys are using that we are all using. And they, uh, you know, white label it and call it their own yeah. like SCM rush or Moz or any of these yeah. tools. And they're like, look, I have a million dollar tool. No, you don't. You bought a white label for two grand a year and you slapped your logo on it. I just tell people it's not mine. I didn't create it, but you log into my pretty dashboard and we look like a, you know, a million dollar company, you know? Um, so, so the tools are there though. I, and it doesn't have to always cost an arm and a leg. So like I said, client comes in and, and tells me like, look, I want to be that company. I'm going to study that company and what those marketers are doing mm-hmm. to try to gain market share from them. So cool.
0: I uh, saw one of your books that you have out there and I thought the title was pretty clever. It says something along the lines of if you build it, will they come? So it's a question that needs to be answered. I'll let That's you right. Answer the question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and you usually know they don't come. <laughs> they, they just don't. Like you, you and I know, like we could create the best widget right now to compete yeah. with, let's say the iPhone. Let's say we have a better smartphone than Apple. Is that possible? Absolutely. But if you don't do all the other things that make a product su- su- successful, it's just not going to work. So you have to, when it comes to Legion, the work that I do, mm-hmm. there is a path. It's there's no secret. There's no, you know, magic bullet, no hack. It's just frameworks. And you're going to try different frameworks, different templates, use different strategies from different marketers. And you're going to come to uh, a point like you will in this book that you're going to see some strategies that are used by other guys. Yeah. And I don't mind giving them credit and saying, here's how I learned this. And you're going to try it. And you're going to find out that if you do it consistently, It works. Ike. it works. I've never seen it not work. The only time it doesn't work to generate revenue. You and I also talked about this is when the lead flow starts coming and the company and the sales team can't handle leads. And they'll tell you one of two things. You're sending too many leads or your leads are no good. I, there's a great, I have got it uh, referenced in the book here, Glenn Gary, uh, uh, Glenn Ross uh, the, uh, the movie with Kevin Spacey, Alec Baldwin, those guys, I think it's 1989. And th- these guys are selling like property, like timeshare. And it comes to a point where he says to the, to Jack, um, I forget the name of the actor now, but he says, put down that coffee, like put down that coffee, like you. And the guy says, well, it's the leads suck. The leads suck. He's like, the leads don't suck. It's like, it's you guys. Yeah. These guys are sitting around dr- drinking coffee, doing nothing. You and I know sales is a very finicky profession. Mm. I mean, what percent of salespeople do you know, Ike, in any industry products, or service? Like, what percent do you know that you would be like, man, this guy is like the LeBron James of sales? Like, what I don't know, what do you think is the percentage?
0: Half of one percent, maybe.
1: On a good day. Yeah. (laughs) On a good day. So all I'm saying is that when I go into a company with 50, 60 salespeople and I'm trying to align the marketing to the sales and say, guys, we've got leads coming. We've got leads. You be ready. We got to make sure we get customer service. Everybody's in it. It, 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 If they don't have at least a few superstars, man, to kind of build out that sales process to convert leads, they're going to fail, man. And it doesn't matter whether they hire me or you know, Russell Brunson or use their software or mm-hmm. adopt the, 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 you know, the best uh, uh, strategy that's on the market today, it's just not going to work. And then you see others like, um, you know, companies like the disruptors, the Airbnbs, the dollar shave clubs, and yeah. some of these companies that just blown up in their space. It's not just a product, honestly, because there's other companies that are doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's because they understood how to talk to the customer and they had people in their sales team that knew how to convert. And that's the difference. Honestly, I've been in call centers. I'll tell you, we used to have a client in Bellevue, Washington, um, called E, e coverage. They, they sold life insurance for like all the carriers you walk in and there's like 600 life insurance agents in a call center Man these guys were like, I mean, the, the, the cream of the crop, man, just, it was beautiful just to listen to them. Talk to, uh, the lead, yeah. no lead went untouched, unturned. They had a, a system that would have them following up on leads on no, no longer than seven minutes.
0: Yeah.
1: the so leads came in, boom, seven minutes. Well, lo and behold, you go look at their customer service. People are on hold on average for like two, three minutes, the whole package, yeah. but why, you know, actually I had that happen this week. Someone I called for customer service. I was on the phone for close to an hour. You know, you put the phone down and keep working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I called my assistant and I said, listen, I'm going to leave the phone here. If they come back on you, you tell them that I'm busy and I'll come back. But why should it be that way? Right. Ike. And, and it leaves you feeling like, look, and so for same for me, as a boutique type agency, I couldn't handle 200 leads a day no way. I only have a handful of people working on leads and sales. So I'm not, I'm never going to want to do a campaign that is going to flood us with leads because that's not what I want for my company. But if that's what you want for your company, you just got to be ready to have that team in place.
0: No doubt. No doubt. You have, um, Man, you've done like a little mini masterclass, just uh, marketing and branding and just everything in between. This has been good. Well,
1: you're a gracious host, man. I mean, honestly, you asked the right questions. I had listened to some of the other episodes, and I'm like, oh wow, he's gonna ask about the failures, about everything. So I'm gonna bring the best, man. So it's been amazing for sure.
0: Nah, it's been a good time. We got it. We got to do another round of this because I've just enjoyed enjoyed our time together in the green room and just getting to know you. For sure. For those who've been listening who, who felt like they'd gotten a lot of value from just some of the ideas you've shared and just, you know, concepts and, and things that you've you know graciously shared with the audience. And they're like, man, I'd love to connect with Alex and uh, see if maybe there's an opportunity to learn more and see if there might be a good fit between what we're doing with our company and, and what you know you guys offer as a service. What is the best way for them to make that connection and start having having a conversation with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean via email or phone call, we'll put, I'll give you the phone number that they can call in the, um, in the show notes. We're all there all the time. Of course, they can hit me up on LinkedIn, Alex Oliveira, or go to the website, predict.io, P-R-E-D-I-Q.io. We've got a plethora. I mean, just a whole library of free content that we give away. We mostly don't ask you for your email, but then there are other things after that if you that. want of more. Yeah. But there are some things that will ask you for your email. But here's the thing. Oh, but before I leave you, here's another thing, right? Like if you were to download, let's say, an ebook, I do ask you for your email. But I our team knows in the workflow, don't simply put that email into the newsletter. Yeah. What you want to do after that first email is follow up. And guess who follows up, by the way? either me or someone in our management team to say, hey, Ike, you downloaded our ebook about Legion. Did you have any questions? And that's usually like the second day. And then the third day, if somebody like writes back or doesn't write back, then we have another sort of offer, maybe a video or something free still of value. We're going to keep talking to you. And eventually I'll ask you, are you interested in A, B or C or a course? But you know, the minute you say unsubscribe, you're out. It's that simple. And that's the way you should do it. But I, I get emails every day and, you know, managing timing. Some people just put you on email list, man. Can't do that. That's not good lead gen practice. Don't ever do that. So
0: And that's why I asked about the, what I love about what uh, Ryan has done is it's permission-based marketing at the time. Yes, You don't take the fact that somebody has offered up their email very personalized information to you and just assume you can abuse that. You know, you got to treat that like gold. You got to, you know, ask for permission, understand their needs, get them open up. And based on what they share, then you determine what the next sequence is that they go to, whether it's a live call, whether it's a resource to deliver to them, whatever the case may be. So and, and, of-
1: and I've got that on, on on part five of the book, page 260, go. 10 compliance elements to consider. In that, not just what he's saying, it goes further. Legal. I can tell you horror stories of clients having to pay the FTC five, 10, 20 grand wow. because. They didn't ask for permission. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes it's easier just to pay out of court. A lot of yeah. these guys do that. These cases are public, so you can look it up yourself. But knowing the compliance is also very important, Ike.
0: No, no doubt. So you talked about free ebook, but um, where can people get a copy of the actual hard copy of your book?
1: Yes, probably the best place is going to be Amazon. I could tell people to come to the site that uh, we built. It's just an information site, so you could buy it there and we'll ship it. But what I found, Ike, and I'm not a huge Amazon fan, even though I have clients who do very well on Amazon, uh, because I've also had clients who pretty much lost a chunk of their business because of Amazon. So I'm always conflicted with Amazon. Uh, But honestly, for a lot of people, if they have Prime, everything is so quick. And so- Ninety percent of the people who order this book, they're ordering it on Amazon, and I have to be okay with that. You got to go where the customers are, right?
0: Yep. (laughs) Smart marketing. It is. Hey, Alex, it's been such a pleasure having you, man. I I think we'll talk about maybe doing a part two to this and and chopping it up some more because it's it's been really that's right. You got it, man.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for being here. Well, folks, it's been another great episode of the Thriving Advisors Podcast. Hope you've gotten some nuggets, took some notes, and have access to some of the resources that Alex is sharing. Until next time, be good. Take care of yourself. God bless you. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Thriving Advisor show. I'm Ike Ikoku and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Air Institute and the 7-figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family finances or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today.